Welcome to Shoot This Now, the podcast where every week or so we talk about stories that should be made into TV shows and movies. My name is Tim Malloy, and this week my co-host and spouse, Deirdre McCarrick, has a wonderful idea for a story that we want to see on film very badly. I've honestly never seen a movie like this before. Great. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, what do you think of our new theme music? I love our new theme music. Is oh. it a Tim Malloy special? Oh, I did write the theme music. Are and, you the composer? And I guess I performed it or whatever. And if people like it or don't like it, they can let us know on Apple Podcasts where they can also give us five stars and, you know, tell us how incredibly thirsty we are. You are. Um, okay, fair. Yeah. Fair. So you can handle the dignified part of the podcast. As per usual. Yeah. What, uh, what do you got? So today we're going to talk about a story that I uncovered, and um, we're going to go through our our typical format where we share what the story is, why now and why it's relevant. Um, We're going to talk about a couple comps, films that this might be similar to, uh, and then go through some key scenes and themes, and then we're going to cast this sucker. I like that you said uncovered, like people have been trying to keep this a secret. (laughs) It's true. But to be honest, I'd never heard of this. I never heard of it either. And I'm of an Irish uh, descent. You are first of Irish descent, and you're also pretty obsessed with Native American culture in the United States. It's true. I really enjoy reading it about Native American culture and watching films. So I never heard the story before. And this story is about the Choctaw Indians who were suffering incredible poverty and incredible despair, who did something amazing to help the Irish during the Irish famine. And it's safe to say that you, as a child of Irish immigrants, might not even exist if not for this. It's true. So, so the story, as you've laid out, um, is about an incredible act of generosity. Um, in the winter of 1847, during the Irish famine... Um, members of the Choctaw Nation of American Indians um, who had just completed the Trail of Tears about 10 years prior sent over what little money they could gather. Um, So people in a completely isolated part of Oklahoma mm -hmm. sent money like 7,000 miles away. Some of the poorest people on earth sent money to people who they said thought were even worse off. Exactly. Back in Europe. It's truly a remarkable symbol of empathy. It really is. Can you tell us two things really quickly, just for people who may not know all about this or remember, what was the potato famine? So the potato famine was during, between the years of like 1845 and 1849 um, in Ireland, where there was a blight on the Irish potato crop, which was a primary source of sustenance for the Irish people. Um, basically, it was a, a fungus um, that destroyed the crops, and it basically decimated the population. About 25% of Ira- the Irish population were either, either died or emigrated because of this famine in four years. I've heard theories that the British government, because I- Ireland was basically a colony, um, may have actually done this on purpose. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, you, hear, def- you definitely hear conspiracy theories. I think there was truth in that they didn't help the Irish as much as they could in that they were still exporting um, Irish goods out of the country to the UK. Awesome. Yeah. So while their people are suffering, they're taking the food out. So by Irish goods, you mean potatoes? Because... Not potatoes, like other like livestock and produce. 
Breaking news, folks. There are other things in Ireland besides potatoes. There are. I did not know. What are they? Are we talking about sheep, cows? I I think, yeah. Like meat, some other various produce. And the Trail of Tears. The Trail of Tears was um, part of uh, the Indian Removal Act that was signed in 1830. And basically, without really much of a choice, um, Native Americans and the southeastern part of the United States had to leave their land or were basically sold it, quote unquote, to the U.S. government and were given um, less desirable land um, west of the Mississippi River. And Andrew Jackson, who had made his bones killing Native Americans, um, made them an offer. Basically, you can either become U.S. citizens or you can move out to reservations. Right. I'm so stupid. I thought some of these Native Americans who were in like Oklahoma and places like that were from that part of the country. I didn't realize that the Choctaw are actually from Mississippi. Mississippi, like Alabama, Fl- northern Florida. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. So Andrew Jackson, kind of a jerk. Major jerk. And his parents were from Northern Ireland. Yeah. Wow. So you would think that the Choctaw might be like, uh, don't like that guy's people. You would. Yeah. But they were bigger than that, Tim. Tell us the story. I will. So I, I think before I dive into it even further, I think why this is important now um, is because we're kind of living in a time where we're building walls, where we're Brexiting. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to hear a story that reminds us of how interconnected we all really are um, and how we will at times need to rely on each other. And I was reading an article in The Conversation, and I thought this captured it really well. Um, By remembering the great hunger and the Choctaw's gift, Irish people are reminded of our reliance on others in the past and our good fortune now. And we we might all be reminded of the importance of tolerance, acceptance, empathy, and dialogue between culturally distinct communities. I can't think of two more culturally distinct communities. I can't either. Although, we'll get into some similarities between the two. Hmm. I love it. Yeah. So, a couple of comps, as I was thinking about um, this story. This, These is, are... this is when we walk into some producer's office. Because we ju- we're basically just talking about stories that we would like to see on the screen. So, someone walks into a producer's office and says, this is like this meets this. Yeah, it's like bad stand-up comedy, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my two are Dances with Wolves meets My Left Foot, mm-hmm. or Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee meets Angela's Ashes. Oh, that's good. I honestly, I know people hold My Left Foot and Dance with Wolves and a lot of those movies in very high regard. I think this, I think the raw materials of this story... Are better than the raw materials of any of those stories. I do too. I think they're. I truly think they're remarkable. It's. I. I was actually dumbfounded when I first read this story. I just couldn't believe yeah. it. Yeah, I really, really, really want to see this. I think it speaks to so many things about empathy and human nature. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of Hotel Mumbai, mm-hmm. a movie we just saw and really loved. Spectacular. Excellent. Yeah. Like the best movie I've seen this year. Same. Where. You have these people who are working at a hotel in India who are definitely like far, far beneath um, in terms of social status and wealth, the people who they're serving, the guests at the hotel. Mm -hmm. And when a terrorist attack comes to the hotel, they could easily hightail it and run. And instead they choose to stay and help these people who there's, who they have no obligation to whatsoever Mm -hmm. and save their lives. It's an incredible true story. 
an amazingly moving movie. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely, there's some parallels for sure. So I'm going to go through a couple just themes or scenes, if you will, that I think um, we would punctuate if this was ever created. So one is Ireland during the famine. And what did that look like? Um, I think what might be interesting is actually juxtaposing Ireland and the Choctaw Nation during this time. Mm. So looking at them separately and then kind of looking at the parallels between the two. So Ireland during the famine, again, as I mentioned, it was about four or five years of mass starvation caused by this potato blight. There was disease. There was emigration. Um, The most severely affected areas were in the west and south of Ireland, um, where it was primarily Gaelic was spoken, the Mm. Irish language. Um, And they referred to it literally as the hard times or the bad life during Mm. this period. Um, The worst year was was 1847, which was known as Black 47. Jesus. Again, about one million people died, a million more emigrated, and it caused the population to fall by about 25%. So just think about that for a minute, about you know 25% of your town or your city or your country disappearing in, in the course of four or five years. That's on like a genocidal scale. That's it is. like Cambodia a few decades ago. I mean, that's an astonishing number of people. And I think um, one, if we were going to maybe humanize this a little bit, I would think of maybe having a composite family of some tenant farmers who were really common during this time. There were a lot of British landowners who, um, you know, would lease the land to, to poor Irish tenant farmers and their families. So potatoes would be their primary food source. They would tend to be larger families. These were Catholic families. So there might be five or six children, living in a thatched roof cottage with stone walls um, in the middle of the Irish countryside. So picturing what, how are these families surviving during this time? They're falling behind on their rent. Some of the landlords actually evicted the peasants during this time, and they would burn the houses down. So that was kind of what Ireland looked like in, in that period. And as you know, you, we all probably know at this point, it's also rains all the goddamn time there, and it's you know it can be chilly, but it's also green and and absolutely beautiful at the same time. So the the counterpoint to that is the Choctaw Nation and where they were living during this period. Yeah, speaking of genocide. Yeah. So when the Choctaw made this uh, donation, if you will, to the Irish people, it was about 13 years after the Trail of Tears started. So at this point, um, they are, they've been stripped of their land in Alabama, Mississippi, northern Florida. They had to walk 600 miles to their new home in eastern Oklahoma. Um, this, as you mentioned, was prompted by the Treaty of Dancing Rabbit Creek, which was signed in 1830 by the Choctaw and the U.S. government. Um, the treaty ceded about 11 million acres of the Choctaw Nation in exchange for about 15 million acres in, in Oklahoma. And again... Again, not their homeland, completely displaced, poorer agricultural land from what I can gather. You, you, not, made, the, you made that point when you said Oklahoma. You, why do you hate on Oklahoma so much? Have you been to Oklahoma? I have not. It has nice lightning storms. Don't it, people go like storm chasing in, it, North, in Oklahoma? It has good fried burritos. Aren't those called... Uh, they called them deep fried burritos when I was there. But they have a name. I don't it's know. the sea. They have wonderful giant roadside crosses. 
so the Choctaw Nation. Um, so they re- they settled in um, uh, this eastern Oklahoma place called Scullyville, and um, it was derived from the Choctaw word "i scully," which means a piece of money. Hmm. So money town. Um, the community developed around the Choctaw Indian Agency, which is basically kind of a center of commerce. And is that like the government agent? There's something called like the Choctaw Indian agent who was basically just a U.S. employee yes. who was kind of the administrator and made sure that everybody stayed in line. I yep. mean, he helped them, but he also was like an overseer. Yeah. And I will get into him very shortly. Nice. So I think when you consider the Irish people and where they were and then the Choctaw where they were, there's a few kind of common themes mm-hmm. between the two. It's like there's this story of displacement, right? People are literally forced off of the the place that they know. A lot of Irish people emigrated. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were actually kicked off their land because they couldn't afford rent. Similarly, Choctaw moved mm-hmm. um, across the country. But then also, culturally, they were kind of both, you know, people, storytelling people. They like to tell stories. Um, they had really close-knit families. They ate literally from the earth. Um, I even read that uh, Choctaw, one of their favorite games, was stickball. And then in Ireland, you have hurling, which is sort mm. of a stickball. So, so different, separated by an ocean, speaking completely different languages, and yet you still find these things that are unique about both that are similar to one another. That's beautiful. It's kind of sweet. Can yeah. I add another? Sure. Victims of shitty colonialists who forced them... Um, yeah. Of okay. course. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So then the next kind of theme or scene that I think is important and is really the foundation is the actual act of, of the donation, if you will. And how did that come to be? Um, so like I said, they were relocated, the Choctaw were really relocated to Scullyville, um, which was established with major FW Armstrong, who's the agent that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, can I throw something out there? Yeah. I feel like F.W. Armstrong was sort of like given the assignment, go ask the Choctaw if they want to make a donation to Ireland. Ha, ha, ha. Like, I'm sure they'll say no. But this story resonates with them in a way that he couldn't have ever anticipated because he went like, oh, people who've been forced to migrate and are starving, we can actually relate to that really well. Yeah, exactly. I think so... Major Armstrong was... He was like the superintendent of the removal of the... Choctaw from, you know, ancestral land. Mm -hmm. And then he ended up staying with them in Scullyville. So he knows the Choctaw very well and they know him very well. Um, And he is often credited with gathering that collection um, from the Choctaw. Um, And that's obviously up for debate. Either way, from what I've gathered, the Choctaw respected him and he respected the Choctaw. His wife, Nancy, and his older brother, Frank, both are documented as wanting to support the Choctaw and and help them. And the chief of the Choctaw Nation in 1847, when Armstrong passed away, Colonel David Folsom recalls Armstrong as our father and our friend. So Colonel David Folsom was a Choctaw? He was, yes. Yes. But his father was a a white man. Huh. Yeah. So, So Armstrong... Whatever his involvement, he was someone who I think was more than just a superintendent or a, a government um, administrator. He did seem to have like a deeper connection to the Choctaw Nation. Um, so in some reports, he's credited with gathering the money. In others, it seems like 
probably more likely that it was the Choctaw General Council, which was 27 elected representatives, who would have made a decision like that. Like yeah. this would have had been a community decision. Um, those tribal leaders possibly heard about the Irish famine from recently settled Irish immigrants, religious missionaries, or from someone like Armstrong himself. So they heard about it, but they ultimately would have had to make that decision on their own. Um, historian Annalise Hansen Shrout says in the Journal of the Early Republic, many would have been destitute or ill. Most would have experienced enormous financial, emotional, and demographic damage as a re- result of the removal. And it is difficult to imagine a people less well-positioned to act philanthropically. Mm. So despite that, they ended up raising $170, which is was approximately $5,000 now, but in perspective was virtually everything that they had. I, I read something about this where it's like a white newspaper, like a white American newspaper talking about all the money that's being sent to Ireland, and they're saying by far the biggest donation came from the Choctaw. So they not only gave as much as they could, they gave more than the much more successful white Americans. Yeah. And they used that, they could have used that money desperately um, for land, food, housing, and yet they still decided to send it to um, this tiny little country across the ocean that they didn't know very much about at all. And people who looked like the people who had just forced them out of their land. And I also read um, historian Turtle Bunbury, who wrote a book about the year of 1847 called A Chronicle of Genius, Generosity, and Savagery. Um, her point of view is, or... Wait, is Turtle, is Turtle a man or a woman's name? Oh, that's a great question. Why did I assume Turtle was a her? Why do you assume women get the best names? So Turtle... Deirdre. I know. Okay, so Turtle, this is how Turtle sums it up. They... It is assumed that the Choctaw contributed because they felt immense empathy for the Irish situation, having experienced such similar pain during the Trail of Tears a little over a decade earlier. One of my favorite, by which I mean least favorite, aspects of this story is the newspaper accounts from that time where people would say very haughtily, oh, it seems that our converting the Indians to Christianity has worked. They've adapted all of our Christian values. Mm -hmm. Like, surely they wouldn't have done this, you know, back when they were savages. Only now that we've humanized them, have they seen our way? Well, that doesn't, which doesn't quite explain why your Christian values forced them off of their land or why they gave more than you did. Right, exactly. And going back to uh, what I was saying about kind of the the parallels between the Choctaw and the Irish at the time, another thing Turtle Bunbury writes is a lot of other Irish were neglected very badly, pushed to the west and to the barren lands in the west of Ireland, dispossessed of their own ancestral lands. It's a very similar story. Just for our families, all of your ancestors were in Ireland at this time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like, you're all Irish. There's nothing else. Yeah, I haven't even done a 23andMe because there's no point. There's no need. It would just come back a big green piece of paper. And, like, my relatives, a lot of them came over around this time because of the potato famine. And, like, one of them, Gallagher, who's up in Uncle Frank's, hi, Uncle Frank, who's up in Uncle Frank's living room, like, came over after the potato famine and joined the Union Army and just kind of went wherever they sent him. I mean, it's such a huge part of the migration around this time in the world. It is. And it's another reminder, I think, that 
when we talk about immigration, how often it's like, oh, you know, people trying to come to the United States and we need to build the wall and we need to be tighter with our, um, you know, our border control and so, so on and so forth. And really, people emigrate because they have to or because they're in a terrible situation. I mean, typically we want to stay, people want to stay where they're, they're from and they're home. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't, I think this is a good example of Irish were leaving because they really had no choice. Yeah. We also just drove um, a pretty long drive out to Nevada. All right. It was Las Vegas to see Aerosmith, but we went to. Why are you ashamed of that? Why did you say that quickly so that someone might not catch it? It feels extremely, uh, it feels, (laughs) it's a really, it's the opposite of starving in Ireland or being on a reservation in Oklahoma. Um, But it was. But it was uh, awesome. Amazing. It was crazy how amazing it was. I'm still crying inside. I didn't want to miss a thing. No, but you saw just driving from L.A. to Las Vegas how much land there is in this country. Yes. Like, there is enough to go around. Plenty of land. It isn't a problem of um, lack of resources. It's a problem of sharing of resources. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. There are two more recent incidences um, that I thought could be both or or one or the other could be really interesting framing devices for this larger story. Um, one was in 1992, there was actually a walk for hunger um, where about 150 years after the famine, a group of Irish people retraced the Trail of Tears wow. um, to raise money for world hunger. They walked uh, a reverse from Oklahoma to Mississippi to repay that longstanding debt to the Choctaw Indian tribe. How cool is that? That's amazing. Um, it was eight people. They started in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and went to Nanniwea, Mississippi. And um, the organizer was Don Mullen, who's the founder of Action for Ireland. I was thinking, if we use this framing device, he might be a really interesting person to mm-hmm. kind of tell this story um, as he walks along, sort of in the vein of Wild. Yeah, like, like um, what's her name in Wild? Reese Witherspoon? Yeah, like... Or Re- Cheryl Strayed? Yeah, like Reese Witherspoon slash Cheryl Strayed in Wild? Yeah. Or like Old Rose in Titanic? Exactly, exactly. Yes. Awesome. And the second um, framing, more recent development is this incredible sculpture that was commissioned that's now in County Cork in Ireland, and it's called Kindred Spirits, and it consists of nine 20-foot stainless steel eagle feathers arranged in a circle. No two feathers are identical, and they form a bowl shape to represent a gift of a bowl of food. Um, It was created by Alex Pentick, and at the dedication, Chief Gary Batten from the Choctaw spoke about the connection between his people and the Irish. He said, your story is our story. We didn't have any income. This was money pulled from our pockets. We had gone through the biggest tragedy that we could endure and saw what was happening in Ireland and just felt compelled to help. I got chills when I read I, that. I know. So I thought either we t- maybe we could talk about through Alex Pentick, the, the, the artist, maybe as he's building this sculpture. Again, that could be a really interesting framing device. 
that would be kind of like the ending of Schindler's List, where they're placing the stones on his grave. Yeah. Can I ruin it for you, though? Of course. I read an article in an Irish newspaper that will go unnamed, where the headline about that story was, uh, New Memorial is a feather in Ireland's cap. I don't get it. They're saying, like, because it had feathers in it, it's like a feather in Ireland's cap. Like, they did, like, the dumbest pun about one of the most beautiful things that's ever happened oh, in history. Oh, that didn't ruin... Oh, so you're just making fun of the headline? <laughs> yeah. It was... I mean, the Irish are supposedly great writers, and that was a... That's true. Atrocious headline. That's a, that's a bad headline. That's a real... Yeah. Yeah. Bad small town newspaper headline. Yeah, but don't you sort of love those, too? I kind of do. <laughs> A feather in his cap. It's just a wee little feather ding, in ding, the ding. Irish cap. We, I have won the game of Irish accent chicken. We were both sure that I would do the first Irish accent. Deirdre did the first one. Wow. I didn't expect things to go this way. I couldn't help myself. It was a beautiful Irish accent. Thank you. Now can I do it for the rest of the podcast? Absolutely not. Okay. I think now we'll talk about how we would make this and who might be involved. How do we cast Leo DiCaprio in this movie? Yeah. We know he loves movies about indigenous people. I, I hadn't really thought about him, honestly, now that, but I, he could be. I mean, I, he'll find a way. We don't even need to do it. He'll just write himself a Where role. Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. But does that mean we got to get Marty Scorsese? Um, no. I would like this to be made by an Irish or Native American filmmaker. So I have a couple picks for director then in that vein. I thought either Neil Jordan or Jim Sheridan. I love Jim Sheridan because I feel like In America was such a good movie about oh, immigration. Such a good movie. And, you know, I like movies about Irish immigrants because um, Brooklyn is like this too. Mm-hmm. Because they kind of bring in, like, frankly, a white audience. Um, and let them see this through the eyes of people who look like them. And yeah. I think it might help them relate to immigrants from other places. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And realizing that their story is the same as the story that your parents had and my ancestors mm-hmm. had. It's 100% true. Yeah. In terms of characters, I think it, it's kind of interesting because there's not a lot of... Uh, we don't know who a lot of these individual Choctaws were um, or even who are the people in Ireland who benefited necessarily from this donation mm-hmm. so i think there might be a couple composite characters um of maybe like i said a family in ireland maybe um david Folsom's family him mm-hmm. and his family in in um the united states i also think maybe don mullen the man i mentioned who did the walk for hunger he could be kind of a narrative mm-hmm character and then obviously major william armstrong i think certainly has to be in here mm-hmm. and i think he has to be kevin costner <laughs> but like, <laughs> like um, I, I just feel like if i this ever became a movie and it wasn't kevin costner everybody in the audience would be like why isn't that kevin costner <laughs> like and it, there'd be just like this little whisper effect like, kevin costner um, he might not want to be typecast, but you know, who can say? It's been a long time since Dance with Wolves. What, it's like 30 years. It has. I'd also it's really t- like... time to dust off the Confederate it uniform. Union. It was a Union uniform. Oh, well, yeah. okay. But 
Major William Armstrong, I think, was Confederate. Really? I think so. Oh, that's interesting. I know. Did you know that the Choctaw um, later fought for the Confederacy because the Confederates promised them a sweet deal? And that might, this is years later. This is way after our story. Mm-hmm. We won't include this in it. But um, it shows you how bad they felt burned by the United States that they're ready to fight for a uh, I not know. cool bunch of people. It's so true. Yeah. And we're probably completely disconnected from the politics of the U.S. and Confederacy as they chose to be. Yeah. Yeah. I would really like to see a lot of this through the eyes of the kids because I feel like the children would understand this in a purer way yeah. than the rest of us would. And just like the simplicity of right and wrong. Like if someone doesn't have food on their plate, give them some. Absolutely. That's why I think having some family representation for both like in the Choctaw and in Ireland, I think that would serve the story well. Yeah. Um, so a few people who we could cast, Don Mullen, like I said, I was thinking Jack Black. That's who he sort of looked like when I searched him on the internet. I would not go see that movie. But Jack Black, I feel like, could play serious maybe. But then he sort of has like the, you know, pull up the stool around the campfire kind of vibe. I feel like the minute he does something a little bit wide-eyed, I'm just going to be totally taken, wild-eyed. I'm going to be totally taken out of it and expect him to do like a metal song about what happened. Okay, so who but do you the want then? children you would want... not eat their potatoes. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. So you want someone a little more like cerebral. I'm not, I'm just being like someone who doesn't break out into comical songs. Okay. Okay, I like Baltazar Getty. Oh, interesting. Um, or I like Henry Thomas from E.T. I don't know what he's been doing lately. Oh, I like him. But I like him as an adult. What about Jeremy Davies, maybe? Jeremy Davies, who I think looks a lot like Henry Thomas. Uh, from Lost, right? From Lost? He was, yep. Would be absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. And has like a really good intensity about him. Yeah. And a little bit of like, a tra- can can adopt like a tragic look when he wants to. I think that's true. I think that'd be great. I'd like to see Charlie Day do this, but he also has the effect of like, um, I always think he's going to do something funny. Yeah, that's true. But I think he has a good look for it. Then uh, Major William Armstrong, I think we already decided, Kevin Costner, if he's unwilling to take on this role, who's our backup? Um, Our backup would be Tom Cruise because he did something kind of similar, a similar type of character in The Last Samurai. Would we be able to get Tom Cruise to not do an action blockbuster? No. There's no chance. But this can be his chance to like do a serious movie and get his get his Academy Award. That's true. Is there's probably some like his super tall mountain that he could, you know, rock climb. He could like free solo. He can definitely do that. Right. And then for Native American actors. That Adam Beach maybe. Great. As like David Folsom. Awesome. He might be a little bit younger, but I thought he could be good. I what I think West Study would certainly have, could play a, a role here. Um, maybe as one of the Native American leaders who brokered the original um, Indian Removal Act deal. Yeah. yeah. I think he has some gravitas. A lot, there's just an incredible number of opportunities for probably unknown Native American actors also. Absolutely. Who definitely deserve a good movie. I think so. And I think there, it would be interesting to show a Native American family, mm-hmm. like depict a Native American family mm-hmm. and kind of flesh that out a little and like what that would have looked like 
Yeah. Um, during that time when yeah. they've been relocated. Yeah, and this is probably a good time to mention again, favorite movie, last several years, um, The Rider. And all Native American cast, I believe. That, yeah. Um, by Chloe Zhao. Beautiful movie. People Absolutely. should check out now that it's available on TV. Sure. Yeah. And then as the Irish artist, Alex Pentec, I feel like I kind of need to have Killian Murphy in this movie. So <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Your celebrity crush, Killian Murphy. But he's also a fine Irish actor. Let's move on. So what's the title, Tim? Oh, wow. I, I, I think there's one and only one, but that's just me. And it's pretty corny, but I still think it, it's the one. Is it Potato Connection? It is not Potato Connection, nor is it Mr. Potato Head. Okay. So I think it should be called Kindred Spirits. I like that. In honor of the sculpture of the same name. You know what I'd also like at the beginning of the movie? You know what sometimes they start with a quote? Mm-hmm. I wish I knew who was responsible for this quote, but it used to be in the Irish Hunger Memorial in New York. Maybe mm-hmm. still is. It's um, when you have it, when you are not hungry, there are many problems. When you're hungry, there's only one problem. That's just it. I mean, that's the point. Right? Yeah. And it really does clarify and really carve out what you need to care about. And it's at a basic level taking care of other people. Yeah, and taking care of people's fundamental needs versus your, you know, 10 millionth desire. Yeah. So there you have it. There you have it. Check out Aerosmith at the MGM Park Hotel Resort Casino. Um, And yes, they do play Dream On. Don't worry. Dream On. Uh, Walk This Way was really good. Walk This Way was great. Um, There's plenty of land available in America, as we noticed on the drive. They did not play What It Takes, though. So if that's your favorite Aerosmith song, I'm not saying that it is. Don't expect it. And just don't get your hopes up. Would have been better if they played it. They didn't play it. It's okay. They're great. They are great. Plenty of land in this country. Room for everybody. Exactly. If you enjoyed this episode, um, feel free to review us, as we mentioned. Thank you for everything. You're great. You're greater. I meant them, the audience, but you're greater than them. No, that's certainly not true, Tim. Didn't you learn anything? Well, no, but I mean, no me, one's greater than anyone but, else. But I mean, we're married. I don't I think mean, you I, were paying attention I'm just to saying, everything I just talked we're married, about. I think you're great. I, great. Thanks, everybody. Bye.